family? How you guys doing? Good? Good? Uh, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, we've been looking at these brief accounts of the good news about Jesus that we're calling go- the gospel in a nutshell. And it's important for us to remember that these are brief summaries. Now, they're not detailed explanations of the gospel, particularly in the story that we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. If we don't keep that in mind, uh, these messages, they can, they can have a possibility of coming off as uh, simplistic or maybe even trite to some of us, uh, particularly in today's story about the man who's afflicted with leprosy. So if you would, please give your attention to the reading of God's word. And when he came down from the mountain, great clouds fro- followed him, and behold, A leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourselves to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Joe. Let's pray, family. Jesus, you are the king, and we have come to bow down before you and worship you because of your goodness, your love, your kindness, and your holiness. Lord, make our hearts open to your word. Make our hearts receptive to your word, to what you Have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you think five Super Bowl titles, a supermodel wife, a fat paycheck, and a 22,000 square foot mansion to live in has erased the shame of being drafted 199th in the NFL draft, then you don't know Tom Brady very well. For those of you that don't watch football, what that means is that there are 198 other players that the NFL teams thought were better than Tom Brady in the year 2000. When he was interviewed for a documentary 11 years after he signed with the New England Patriots, Tom said, by the way, the New England Patriots, they win a lot. They're a winning team, right? They win a lot of games, right? This is 11 years after. He said in this documentary that watching the draft with his dad is what stuck out in his mind the most when he thought about his career. Now let that just sink in for a second. That's the moment that sticks out in his mind the most. He actually cried during the interview as he relived the shame of watching name after name after name being called before he heard his own name. There were 198 other players that the owners wanted more than Tom Brady. And everybody watched it. There were 198 other men that they were convinced were better than him, as good as he thought he was. And that shame has stuck to him. It stuck to him to this very day. It's what drives him to continue to accomplish things. Think about that, guys. Five Super Bowl trophies, four Super Bowl MVPs, three regular season MVPs. 
Being a lock for the Hall of Fame and amassing countless of personal and career accomplishments and achievements are not enough to wash away the shame that he carries from being picked 199th. Now, even though you and I haven't experienced the humiliation of being a six-round draft pick, we all carry various degrees of shame. Everyone in this room does. Me too. It is part of the human experience. Just like Tom Brady, we all have these moments in our life that we are embarrassed of. There are these seasons that, that when they remember, they, call us, they cause us great pain and maybe some anxiety. Like, what if someone found out about that in my past? And, and, and here's the thing about shame. It's not just painful. It's sticky. Shame is sticky. It's hard to shake off. It's hard to wash off. Even 10 years later, 11 years later, 12 years later, 20 years later, 40 years later. And whether that shame comes from sins that we have committed or sins that were committed against us, whether it comes from our actions or from our associations, like who's in our family tree. We don't like talking about shame. We don't like it to talk about it because it carries so much weight and it carries so much power in our lives. We would rather change the subject. Some of you are probably uncomfortable right now that I even mentioned that word, right? We don't want to talk about it. We would rather just ignore it and it'll just go away on its own. Or, you know what, we just want to cover it up. And isn't that what we've been doing since Adam and Eve? We've been covering this up with fig leaves ever since. We'll just cover it up with more trophies. We'll cover it up with more accomplishments, with more toys, with more educational degrees, with more promotions, more raises, more sarcasm, because that doesn't bother me. We'll just keep covering it up. But you know what? Shame doesn't wash off with more achievements. Shame doesn't wash off you and I like that. And it doesn't naturally fall off given enough time. Shame is sticky. It's sticky. And so you know what? We have to face it. We have to face it. And the truths of God's word help us bring it from the background where we'd like to keep it to the foreground so that we can deal with it. In fact, the scripture actually gives us words because sometimes we don't have words. And it's a blessing that the word gives us words to deal with this. That's exactly what is happening in this story about the leper. Leprosy was a highly contagious skin disease that slowly devoured its victims. It was a horrifying disease to get. There was no known cure for it, And uh, because of this, there were strict rules that stated that lepers were not to have contact with any other person. They had to live outside of the city or village or town in leper colonies. They were cut off from their family and loved ones. They were cut off from society. They had to live outside the village. In addition to this, anywhere that they went, where they might possibly come in contact with other people, they had to shamefully and loudly announce when entering that town or village upon their arrival, say these words, unclean, 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 as they're walking. Could you just imagine living the rest of your days out like that? And they did that so that people would have time to back away lurch out of the way from them. 
And for Jews, leprosy had this additional shame attached to it. It also meant that you were cut off from God. You were cut off from his promises and his blessings because you were not allowed to go and worship in the temple. The clean and the unclean can't be together. And the temple's where God dwelled. You were cut off from his covenant people. You were cut off from God. You were unclean. You were unacceptable. And the clean and the unclean do not mingle because they can contaminate each other. Think about the psychological effect that that would have on a human being after a while. Like after a month, let alone 10 years, right? See, leprosy, unlike blindness, unlike lameness, because you can still be clean and be blind. You can be clean and be lame. But, but leprosy is unique in this shame aspect because, because you're unclean, you're separated from your family. You're separated from loved ones. You are separated from your friends. And you are separated from God. Can, can you relate to that feeling? Can any, can any of us here relate to that feeling? If we're honest? You, you know what I mean? Like, Have you ever felt so unclean, so unworthy that you didn't even feel like you're allowed to be in the same room with people that, that you love? Maybe you're thinking thoughts like this. If, if they knew the things that I've done in my life, they knew the things I did Saturday night, if they knew the thoughts that go through my mind on a regular basis, if they knew how weak I really am, if they knew who I'm related to, they wouldn't want me in this room. They wouldn't want me around. I'm unclean. If you've had thoughts like that, you know what that is? That's shame. That's leprous language. That's leprous thoughts. But here's the thing. To those of us that do feel unclean, that, that we feel maybe contaminated, Matthew brings a message of good news to you and me. Christ has come to cleanse us from the shame that we carry. Christ has come to cleanse us from the shame that we carry. When we look at this passage, we notice that it's a very, very short passage. I mean, it's like four verses. I mean, technically, it's like three for the story, actually. It's very short. There's a lot of details that Matthew intentionally leaves out of the story because he's not interested in answering all the curious questions that we might have when we look at stories in the Bible. Matthew is interested in focusing his attention and our attention on just one big thing, that this man that they call Jesus has both the willingness and the power to remove our shame. That's the big idea that he wants us to focus on. Jesus Christ is both willing and able to cleanse us of our shame. And the first that we notice in this passage is that this cleansing comes to you and I through desperate faith in Jesus. This cleansing comes to us through desperate faith in Jesus. Verse two says, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The cleansing offered to us only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the main ingredients in true faith, get this, is desperation. Desperation. In his actions and in his statement, this leper shows us what true faith in Jesus looks like. Many times in this Bible, you notice we don't get a lot of definitions. We get a lot of descriptions, though. We get a lot of acting it out and showing us. That's exactly what this leper is doing for us. Faith looks bold and desperate. 
He's bowing down on his knees before this man, the God-man Jesus, and he is calling him Lord and calling out. The leper says to Jesus, you can make me clean. And in that simple declaration, he is admitting two very important things. And the first thing he's admitting is that he's unclean. By default, when he says, you can make me clean, he's saying, I am unclean. This is his announcement. In his current state, he's cut off from God. He's cut off from people. Somehow, he's become defiled. We don't know how. But he's become defiled. Whether he touched the wrong thing or the wrong thing touched him. But he doesn't waste any time explaining how we got to this place. He doesn't try to like whitewash it. He doesn't try to like make it better than it really is and give rationale. He just says, hey, I'm unclean. This is me. Here I am. He just factually admits he is in this place unclean. The leper has stopped hiding his shame outside the village. Do you guys see this? He stopped trying to cover it up. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a leper, but you know what? I used to be a great lawyer. I'm a leper, but I've got a big family. You guys, are you in the story here with me? Do you see what he's doing? He stopped trying to cover up his shame. He stepped out of the nameless, faceless crowd that's following Jesus, and he's decided to take a risk. He's made himself known and his leprosy known to the Lord. Here I am. I'm singled out. You can see me. He's let himself be known to the Lord. We even have a name for this in, in modern language, in the parlance of our time. For letting yourself be known. What do we call it? Coming clean. Coming clean. Isn't that a curious way of putting it? We're speaking better than we know, brothers and sisters. There is something cleansing in confessing. There is something cleansing in confessing about stepping out from the safety of the shadows, about stepping out from hiding and admitting, I'm desperate. I need Jesus. And I need him now. Are you willing to do what this man did? Are you willing to stop hiding and actually let yourself be known? Let me put it this way. Would you be willing to put down the masks that hide your shame and protect you of being known? Would you be willing to put that down if it meant that you could be cleansed of your shame? I know that's a difficult thing, but, but that is true faith. That's true faith. Another thing that the, that the leper teaches us about true faith is that it always rests on Jesus. It always rests on Jesus. I mean, he believes that only Jesus can wash away his uncleanliness. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us how he came to believe this about Jesus. He doesn't go into all those details that we would like to know. I mean, most likely he had, he's heard about Jesus through other people who are whispering around town, uh, but possibly he heard about Jesus just by previously witnessing it sometime or hearing him. But, it does, but it's regardless, it doesn't really matter. He's resting on the hope that Jesus is the one that all of God's people have been waiting for. 
If you, if you go back to Isaiah 35, the prophet Isaiah said this, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. This sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? This man knows there is nothing that he can do to change what has brought him to this place or to this condition. He knows that there is nothing he can do to wash away his shame or wash away his unworthiness, but he believes that Jesus definitely can do something. True, desperate faith looks to Jesus for cleansing. And we believe, what it means is that we believe that there is something about Jesus that sets him apart. Something about Jesus that makes him wholly unique. We believe that his words are potent. We believe that his actions are powerful. We believe, like the leper, Jesus, you can make me clean. Can you say those words to Jesus? You can make me clean. Can you say those words out loud? Jesus, you can make me clean. If not, ask him for the faith that you need. Ask him. And faith ultimately is a gift from God, and Jesus is willing to give that faith gift of faith to us. Jesus sees this leper's faith. He's amazed. He answers him. He says, I am willing to, I am able to cleanse you. And guess what? I'm willing. See, this cleansing comes by desperate faith in Jesus, and it also comes by the healing touch of Jesus. If you look at verse 3, it says, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean and immediately his leprosy was cleansed see leprosy isn't a disease you're healed from leprosy is a disease you are cleansed from let's get into this shame aspect of it again Jesus could have cleansed this man of his defilement by simply speaking a word his words are that potent but Jesus decided to touch the man as he spoke this word healing word to him. We talked about this last week if you were here, but when you look through the gospel accounts, touch plays a big part in Jesus' ministry, particularly his healing ministry. Jesus intentionally touches, and he's sometimes intentionally touched by lots of people. And it's always a good touch. Go back and, and count them up. It's always good touch. It's always healthy touch, healing touch. It's always a touch that heals. It's never a touch that steals. And that is not an insignificant fact for us to ponder. You see, when someone experience, when we experience shame, it's because of something that we have done or something that was done to us. And most of the time, that shame was transmitted through touch. It was touching a keyboard. It was a touching a screen. It was touching a bottle. It was touching a person or being touched by a person. And that's what makes shame so real. That's what makes it so powerful. There's a physicality to it that we can't ignore. 
And for some of us, the question is not, can God make me new? Can God make me clean? The question really is, would he? Would he even want to? See, before we're willing to take a step of faith towards Jesus, into the light, out of the crowd, out of the shame, we want to know that he is willing to make us acceptable. Because what if I take a step towards him? He goes, ah, not you, not for that. Right? We want to know that ahead of schedule, ahead of time. We want to know that. This is what people who carry shame need to know before they actually take a step of faith out of the shadows and towards Jesus in faith. Does he actually want to cleanse someone like me? And Jesus answers this question emphatically, not just with mere words, but with touching. With touching, which he didn't have to do. But he did. See, nobody in their right mind would touch a leper for fear of being contaminated by them and then suffering the consequences of that contamination. Like, you just don't do that. Jesus touched to prove to this leper and to us that his words were not hollow. I really am willing to cleanse you. And here's how willing I am. When Jesus intentionally touched people, like this leper, the woman who had the issue of bleeding, there was a transfer that happened, and he felt it in his body. It says that he felt the power go out of him. His power, his life, went out from him and into that sick person, that person who had infirmity. They became holy. They became forgiven, healed, restored. They, in other words, they got something from Jesus when, they t- when he touched them. But Jesus also got something from them. He got their uncleanliness. He got their disease, their exclusion, their sin. In an article about Jesus healing this leper, it's, it's the Mark account of it, but Kevin DeYoung, he's a professor of systematic theology, he writes this. The leper who was an outcast comes to Jesus so that he might be cleansed. Jesus gives him this cleansing and restores him to the community. He has a new life. But after this great miracle, where do you find Jesus? This is the Mark account of it. Where do you find Jesus after this? He's alone. He's out in desolate places. He's become an outcast. The leper and the Christ have traded places. The outsider has been brought in as the chosen one is cast out. This is how sinners enter the family of God. Because the son was forsaken by his father, we can join the household of God. For us to be made clean, Christ had to be reckoned unclean for our sakes. See, Jesus didn't overlook uncleanliness. He conquered it. And he didn't just conquer it. He traded places with it. See, you need to know today that God, through the work of Jesus has taken your shame upon himself. Your shame. Yes, you. And he's taken it upon himself. He has traded his righteousness, his cleanliness for our sickness of shame. And if you cannot yet believe Christ's words because they sound too good to be true, that's okay. But at least believe his actions. At least believe what he did. See, in fact, Matthew records three acts of Jesus, three miraculous healings in chapter eight. The leper, which we just read, the centurion, ser- uh, the centurion servant, and, and then Peter's mother-in-law, who he healed from that fever. 
he, Matthew groups them all together, and then he writes this at the conclusion to help us actually interpret and understand what Jesus is doing here. It says in verses 16 and 17, that evening they brought to him many who are oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took, he took, our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now that's a funny way to summarize all that, isn't it? If you think about it. He healed the sick and demon oppressed and he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. In other words, he gave something, life, and he took something, death. Matthew is telling us that when Jesus touches, there is a transfer. There is an exchange happening. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's that exchange that's happened. Every time Jesus touches someone, they get what is his, holiness and acceptance. Why? Because every time he touches someone, he takes what is theirs, defilement, rejection. Guys, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus bore the weight of our sin, and he bore the weight of our shame. He collected it on himself day in and day out, all the way to the cross until the sheer mass of it crushed the life out of him. He was touched. Oh, yes, he was. But he was touched with whips, and he was touched with nails, and he was touched with a spear piercing his side. He was touched with punches and kicks. He was touched with spit in his face, as well as sarcasm and mocking. And every touch stole something from him. It stole something from his manhood, and it stole something from his humanity, and stole something of his dignity. He was being shamed in the way that he died. He didn't just die in his sleep one day. He was treated unclean. His actual body was defiled by other people. He was naked. Jesus was exposed. Jesus was rejected by his own instead of accepted and brought in. He literally, really, and totally bore our shame. Praise be to God. Guys, it cost Jesus everything that mattered to touch you and I with his healing touch and to make us clean. This is how willing he is to cleanse you and I. This is how much he loves us. He chose to touch us and give us what belonged to him and take what belonged to us. Because of the cross of Christ, we do not have to bear shame anymore. We do not need to bruise ourselves we don't need to whip ourselves anymore. It's been put onto him and washed away in his blood. That's why we love singing those bloody songs. Because there is power in the blood. There's a physicality to what he did. Because of the cross, we can trust his word when he says he is willing to cleanse us. We can take a step towards him in faith and admit our uncleanliness because the cross proves that Jesus really is able and willing to cleanse us. 
and make us whole. Praise his name. He loves you. He loves us. Let's pray. Jesus, I, th- I thank you for the blood. The blood both indicts us and acquits us. It says that we are sinners and that we are cleansed. And so we thank you for your blood. We thank you that your words to us are not just get well cards. <laughs> They're not just sentimental, but that you have touched us and you continue to touch us with your healing touch. And it always heals and it never steals. We thank you for washing away not just our sin, but the shame. And I pray that you would do that for us today, for every one of us that needs that. Make known yourself to us today in the breaking of bread. Make known the power of your blood today in a new and fresh way. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for how you loved us. Amen.